Our meditation for this fourth Sunday in Easter is our epistle reading, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 21. Hear the word of our Lord. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The life of the Christian is marked by constant tension. On the one hand, you are a saint, a saint of God Most High, you are going to heaven as a baptized believer in our Lord Jesus Christ, and you carry with you the dignity afforded by the title of Christian. As a Christian, you bear the name of Jesus Christ on you wherever you go. You are united to the king of the entire universe in your baptism. The Christian has much to rejoice over. But at the same time, you are also a sinner. You are still a miserable, poor, wicked sinner who cannot help but do what is wrong all the time, every day, in thought, word, and deed. There is no such thing as a human being who spent a single day without sin, the exception, of course, being our Lord Jesus Christ, hence why he came to die for our sins. 
no matter how much we may brag that we have eternal life to look forward to, a new heavens and new earth to exist in, we are at this moment in a humiliated, ugly state. St. Peter, in our epistle lesson for today, highlights another tension, that the Christian church is indeed a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. These are terms and phrases in the Old Testament which apply to Israel. St. Peter is proclaiming that the entirety of the body of Christ on earth is Israel. We have an inheritance going as far back as the promises given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All of the promises of God find their yes and amen in Jesus Christ, and those promises are applied to you, the Christian, according to 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, properly inherits many precious, gracious promises that are not only pertaining to salvation. All of those promises given to ancient Israel belong to us because we are Israel. But lest we find ourselves puffed up and wickedly arrogant over this status given to us, St. Peter refers to us as sojourners and exiles. If we are Israel, we go through what Israel goes through. We find ourselves in a similar situation to Abraham, a stranger in a strange land. We are in the wilderness of sin, as the ancient Israelites found themselves under the supervision of the prophet Moses. We experience the Assyrian exile. We are in the Babylonian exile. The church is not at a state of victory as Israel was under the kingship of David or Uzziah or Solomon. We do not live in good times. Though we are a royal priesthood, though we are the chosen race, this body of Christ, and we are a holy nation, we do not experience the privileges and blessings that a holy nation ought to experience, do we? We are exiles, and we would be fools to pretend otherwise. Now, what does an exile do? The advice given by Ezekiel and Jeremiah is the same advice that St. Peter gives to us Christians. Bloom where you're planted, keep your conduct right, worship the Lord, and honor the authorities that God put over you. I am certain that children of Judah felt quite indignant at being God's chosen people, but forced nonetheless to serve under the Babylonian thumb. To have all these promises from God regarding the kings of David's line, to have all the promises of Messiah coming from the loins of Judah, and waking up every single day, seeing your taskmasters and your foremen, wicked people that God has put over you. Oh, the tension they must feel. 
knowing that you do not belong to these people, and yet they wickedly rule over you. This is the same situation that the church finds herself in today. She has no other choice. Until Christ returns, we are always going to struggle with the tension of knowing that we live in the world, but we are not of the world. We are the holy nation, we are the royal priesthood, and we should be afforded all honors and privileges and blessings and even little perks here and there on account of this, and yet we find ourselves constantly in conflict, constantly at war, with never-ending controversies, and surrounded every single day by a culture and world that hates us. Welcome to exile. This is the tension we feel every single day. Making matters worse, we understand that the tension we feel as saint and sinner, simul justus et peccator, means having to go to war with ourselves while we try to navigate living under the thumb of wicked men. It is a terrible thing to feel that I am supposed to be a saint, and yet here I sin. Well, I work on myself, as any good pietist wants to do. I find myself unable to completely extirpate the sin of my old Adam, forcing me into the indignity that is being humble in front of the wicked, no matter how much better than them I know I am. But what is the life of an exile? But what are our boundaries? How do we live in this way when we are clearly in a humiliated state? First, St. Peter tells us what not to do. The first is to not be a regime collaborator. He says, abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. You see, the flesh and the world are two sides of the same coin. They have always been allies. Your foremen, your wicked rulers, they rely on the passions of the flesh. They deal in the passions of the flesh. They sell it, and they manipulate people's flesh. To refuse to abstain from the passions of the flesh, our personal lusts, is to collaborate with the regime, to become a traitor against your own people, the Holy Christian Church. Why do we in the Lutheran Church have corporate confession? Because we are confessing to one another that we have betrayed each other with our sins. Even if temporarily we have taken the side of the evil men that rule us by serving their ends. We are not to be regime collaborators. At the same time, we are not to be rebels. The collaborator betrays his people by actively harming them in cooperation with the empire. But the rebel harms his people by giving a just cause for the empire or those who took us into exile to squish us even harder. 
When, dear St. Peter says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, to emperors and to governors, yes, it is indeed for the Lord's sake because he put them there over you. And we are betraying God when we decide we will be rebels. In addition to that, what does he say about the governors? They are there to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. By becoming a rebel who is constantly looking for a fight and breaking laws and trying to quote-unquote free his people through unnecessary, violent, or wicked means, what is this but becoming the wicked whom the governor is sent by God to punish? As St. Paul says, he does not bear the sword in vain. Much worse, if you have a Christian leader over you who is in charge of punishing wickedness and rewarding good, then you are doing a disservice to your neighbor when you are a rebel. You are introducing the temptation for him to suddenly start squishing Christians everywhere. This is not to say you can't be a Christian nationalist. This is not saying that we should not advocate for the state to be doing as God would have them do. Far be it from me to claim this. To the contrary, Christian nationalists everywhere should understand that we will not get what we want if we make all of our demands down the barrel of a gun. St. Peter tells us, honor the emperor. But before that, we fear God. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. An exile is a type of slave. You are taken into exile. You are born into a church at your baptism that has been in exile since Pentecost. But just like the slave, the exile is given the same advice. The same advice St. Peter gives to the church is the same advice that he gives to the slave is the same advice that Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Daniel give to all who are in this very same situation. Be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Now, do we live under wicked rulers? You'll make me laugh if you say no. We live under wicked rulers, we are surrounded by wicked people, and many, 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 many of the churches are all regime collaborators with it. And still, we are to obey the governing authorities in the civic sphere. It's gracious to God when we do so. If you sin and you're beaten for it, well, what good is that to your name? What glory is that to you? What reputation do you gain in the eyes of God or in the eyes of the church even if you become known as a murderer? We know full well that God rewards those who seek him. Scripture attests to this over and over and over again. And if we endure these humiliations and the pain of being in exile here on earth, don't you think God will reward that? If he says what you are doing is valuable, it honors me, the Lord your God, if you follow through with that, don't you think he would reward you? The traitor 
and the rebel both get their reward. The traitor gets to be a part of the Empire. As the Empire is brought down into the depths of hell, he gets to burn eternally. Congratulations, traitor, you got what you wanted. Meanwhile, the rebel gets exactly what he wanted. He gets cathartic release as he is massacred. And then more Christians are massacred on account of him. Thank you, rebel. Thank you, traitor. Both of you have made our lives far worse in our state of humiliation. Thankfully, St. Peter does not leave us to our frustrations on account of condemning the collaborator and the rebel. He does not leave us there because he says we have an example. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Jesus Christ went through a lifetime of the most intense exile imaginable. He, being God himself, the only begotten Son of God our Heavenly Father, living in glory in the throne room, condescended to be born in a dirty little manger, grow up in poverty, work with his hands until he was in his early 30s, and then spend three years hated as an itinerant prophet before finally dying for our sins. We have not experienced anything like the exile our Lord Christ experienced. And why did he do that? He did it so that you can go back home. He went into exile and died on that cross so that one day we, as the church of Jesus Christ here on this earth, may not be in exile any longer. He says, I go to prepare a place for you, and he means it. He is an example for us. Absolutely, we are to do good no matter what. We are to live as those who are free, enjoying the freedom that God has afforded us, but not using it for sin. Our Lord Jesus had that. As the Son of God himself, he had all freedom. He did all good. We are to emulate that. But at the same time, we should never forget those two extremely precious words that St. Peter gives us, For you. Every Christian is born in this state of exile, yet Christ died that we may have a home to return to. We are no longer of this earth as we were in our flesh before our baptism. But now, while we go through this difficulty, and while we do our best to live as good examples of freedom tempered by self-control, while we are there influencing the world, bringing more and more people into the church and changing the culture and the world around us, we do not have to live without hope. We do not have to live without the guarantee of something better in our future. We engage in struggle, truly. We find ourselves in a dilapidated state, unhappy with the world around us, absolutely, and we understand that this earth will never be heaven. But Christ has promised those who trust in him a heavenly reward to be in his kingdom, to return to where we have always belonged. And for those who obeyed St. Peter's commands here, 
additional rewards on top of that. Yes, there are rewards in heaven. Don't you want a royal welcome into the kingdom of heaven at Christ's return? The world in which we find ourselves in exile, they know where they're going. If they do not repent, they understand on a subliminal level that they are going to hell. Yet you, O Christian, you know that you are going to heaven, to the new heavens and new earth, with our Lord saying, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, for those who did their best under this state of exile. Let us be motivated then to be the best exiles there ever were, and glorify God with our efforts. And with Christ as our example, may we walk in confidence knowing that ultimate victory is assured. It is a certain outcome promised by the Lord our God. Now the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.